The guests on Love Hurts occasionally use some adult language and go into some more intense subject matter, but that's kind of how real life works anyway. This is Love Hurts. I'm Brian Berlin. Today's guest is Ivy Eisenberg. Ivy is a writer and storyteller living in New York. In her mid-20s, Ivy found herself wandering through life with no passion when it came to her career or love life. During this period, she found herself navigating through two different unexpected relationships as she tried to figure out where she was going. Hey, Ivy, how's it going? Hi, how are you? It's good to see you. Same here. Great to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on and wanting to share about some tough love in your life. Yes. Yeah, what did you want to talk about today? So I wanted to talk about the time when I was about 24 years old and I was in my second year of graduate school and I was really lost. I was in central Pennsylvania at Penn State and I had no friends to begin with, and I had certainly no love interests, very, very crushingly lonely. I lived with uh, a waitress that I had worked with at the waffle shop, and uh, she had a drug-dealing boyfriend who lived in her room and would deal drugs out of her room. And then I had (laughs) another um, roommate who was an undergrad, but he loved drugs, otherwise very normal. From Connecticut, you would think he was just a normal guy, but really loved drugs. So he sort of fit with the scene. So you're kind of around a lot of this drug scene. And is that something that like you're into at that time? Not at all. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. I don't drink. I maybe have mixed drinks here and there. I don't go out because I don't have any friends, really. And I don't do drugs. I've smoked pot a couple of times yeah. to experiment. But no, I work, I, I'm i doing teaching, English teaching, English teaching, writing, and I'm in graduate school. And I love graduate school, but I feel like I'm not as good as everybody else. I feel so out of my league in terms of studying literature, because if you're an English graduate student, what it is, is you're studying English and American literature. It's already my second year. I'm supposed to be working on a thesis. I'm supposed to be you know, preparing for my comprehensive exam and I'm taking classes and doing okay, but I'm really just lost. And I'm living with a waitress and a drug dealer and a drug addict. So um, I did have a guy I was sort of seeing. So all the English graduate students after the first year, they left their husbands and then they went on to other people. And this was an (laughs) ex-husband of somebody. A beautiful looking guy, the most beautiful guy I'd ever gone out with, physically beautiful and a nice guy. Just he was like the Van Wilder of Penn State. I don't know if you know Van Wilder. Yeah, yeah, he was in his seventh year of undergrad and he was (laughs) um, a very nice guy, but just sort of no sense of humor. And then after a while, it just uh, it was okay. I was just sort of dating him here and there. Um. So, uh, and again, working really hard and and feeling very inadequate and freaked out. So I come home one day and there's this guy on the couch in our communal living room. And it was my couch. And he's this like weird looking guy with these beady eyes and these dark 
uh, like uh, John Lennon glasses. And he's got this frizzy recalcitrant hair, like like somebody who has really curly hair, but made that unfortunate move to sort of brush his hair. So it's just like a ball of frizz on either side. <laughs> and and he's wearing like cutoffs, like he actually cut khaki pants into shorts. And, you know, his balls are sticking out. He's like, he's not wearing underwear. <laughs> and he's just sitting there. He's like, just, just sitting there with a backpack. I have no idea who this guy is. So my roommate, I'll call him Brian. He's like, oh, yeah, this is my friend. Um, uh, do you mind if he crashes on the couch for a couple of days? And I'm like, well, I'm never going near this couch again. You know, have yeah, at the couch it. Is your yours. Sweaty you you oh, stay no, on the couch like, and then take it with right. you on your way out. <laughs> and I'm going, um, you know, and I'm going about my day. I would have to get up early because I'd have to go to campus and I'd be, you know, because I was teaching and taking classes, et cetera, et cetera. And every time I walked in and out, there would be this guy's name is Dan. And he would just sort of be watching me like he was like, sitting there with his arm crossed, just sort of observing everything back and forth. And it really pissed me off. It's like this guy, like, what the fuck is this guy doing? What is he? Why did he drop into my couch? And why is he like watching me back and forth? It was just really annoyed me. So it comes out that Dan has just gotten out of the state penitentiary. Okay. He was in the state penitentiary for uh, seven years for armed robbery. He was robbing convenience stores. Okay. And this was his first stop in the free world, my couch. And so how long, and I guess it's like, how, how, how long are you like, how long is he there? And like, how long is it being that you're figuring this information out? And and are you like, well, this was supposed to be a few days. Now it's a few weeks or what, you know, like. Yeah. So it's sort of maybe like the third or fourth day. Uh, you know, it comes okay. out. And Brian's like, don't worry. He's very, very honest. He's not going to take your stuff. He has, no, he's not, he's just a really good friend. He's really honest. He doesn't care about taking people's stuff. He just thinks that corporations are fucked up and they deserve to have their Cheetos taken from the convenience store at gunpoint. He, it's, it's not a personal thing, right? Yeah, and you're hearing this like from his roommate. Like he's not having yeah. this conversation with you. You're like getting this information. Secondary. No, he's not. He's not. He sits around. He reads the newspaper. He's relatively well informed. Yeah, you know, a little bit cynical. Cynical about everything. We talk here and there, and I'm like, you know, like I can't really look at him. He's a little gross looking, but you know, we're just talking. It, uh, meals, like we never really did meals together. We did like okay. college student meals, you know, yeah. but. Um, uh, yeah. So and then. Um, and, uh, you know, my other roommate, they were just like so drugged out, like the waitress, she was down to working like eight hours a week or something. She barely worked. <laughs> I don't know what they did, but they were always in in their room, her and her boyfriend. So so that was what my life was like. So it comes out that this guy, Dan, s- says he's an excellent Scrabble player. So and. <laughs> That pissed me off because Scrabble <laughs> is my game, right? And I'm like, he thinks somehow that his seven years in the state penitentiary makes him a better Scrabble player than me, who was seven years as an English major. So I decide I'm going to challenge him to a Scrabble game. <laughs> so there we are. And we're in that our dining room table was like a, a square folding table like a card table in the middle of this cavernous living room 
right? We had this little folding table and folding chairs that was there. So we set up the game and it's on, you know, it's like, fuck this guy, right? <laughs> so we, we're playing, we're playing. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden he, he throws down a seven letter word. Oh, and I'm bingo. like, oh, wow, pretty good. Then I get a seven letter word, <laughs> rhizome with a Z. And I make another play on a triple word score. Wow. So he's like, I'm like, you know, like he's better than my usual, right? So he's like, <laughs> all right, all right, pretty good, pretty good. So I go about the day, and um, the next day uh, I come home, and I'm like, do you want to play again? He goes, yes. And now he's pissed off, right? So we play oh, so again. You won, so you won the first game. I won the first he, okay, game. Okay, okay. And I, and I was like, thank God, right? I don't want to let this. Yeah. He, ne- next night he wins. And and I go, okay. He goes, you want to play again? I'm like, sure, we'll play again. He wins two in a row. Ooh, I'm like, okay. well, fuck this, right? So I am um, like the whole day at work and walking downtown <laughs> in State College. I'm like ruminating about it and like seeing words everywhere like i'm looking at the awnings and i'm looking at the signs and i'm trying to make words and trying to bone up and like in between classes i'm like thumbing through the dictionary and i'm like this guy (laughs) is not going to beat me again i am really pissed off so this goes on for a couple of weeks oh he's so who knows he so his two days or three days stays he's still sleeping on the couch i stop uh seeing that very cute but very boring guy and every night we are there playing Scrabble. And uh, and any night is anybody's guess who who's going to win. Yeah. So um, I find myself now I'm sort of dressing up for the games like like <laughs> like I'm sort of wearing like my see through, uh, you know, a hippie shirt. And I'm like. What am I doing? Like, what's wrong with me? Like, do I like this guy? You know, it's like I could barely look at him, but he's a nice guy. Yeah, I, I was going to say, are you like finding out more about each other? Like as these games are going on, or is it more just like there's an intensity to this game that you're like finding yourself being drawn to him through the game? No, we are finding out our whole life story. Okay, now, so there is a lot about of, his crime yeah. spree. Nothing about, uh, you know, nothing about his crime. And, you know, he was he he got a four year degree while he was in the state penitentiary. And he's got a little brother uh, who's who's from bumfuck Pennsylvania who shows up here and there and, uh, you know, whatever. And and, um, you know, and I'm telling him about my life. And like at this point, my parents are living in Long Island, though I grew up in Queens. And so, you know, and we're, we're just we're just talking about a lot of things. He's very knowledgeable about history and things like that. And. We stay away from the lightning topics like yeah. uh, like what the fuck with a gun robbing a convenience store, <laughs> like who the and, you know, no, we don't talk about religion or whatever. We just just like sort of keep it. Yeah, you have. So it. you actually have like a rapport with each other now and you're like getting to know each other over these games. You're having yeah. fun with these games. And they're like, oh, this person's not too bad. And I might like him or like there might be some attraction that I have to him, even though I don't yeah. realize I'm having an attraction to him. Because he's so, sort of he. He sort of is not really flirting, but he is sort of like really nice to me. And he's, and I'm attracted to that. And plus he freaking laughs at my jokes (laughs) and he has a wicked sense of humor. 
And he's good at Scrabble, right? And he's, he's like, good at Scrabble. Like he's this, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, anybody that's gonna laugh at my jokes right away, I like this guy, right? All of a sudden, they become good looking if they're gonna <laughs> laugh with me. So um, one day, I decide I have an idea. This is only maybe two or three weeks in, right? I'm like, why don't we play for stakes tonight? Why don't we play three games, and the winner? Of somewhat best of three, and the person who does best of three is the master, and the one who uh, loses is the servant for a day. <laughs> I'm like, this is like, who am I? Like, who is this woman? Like, what the? So we do. So we go there, and there's a Scrabble game. First game, I win. Second game, he wins, so I'm doing really, really good. And then the third game, he wins. So he is the master, and I am the servant. And I have no idea what's going to happen, but I prepare for the worst in that I shave my armpits and I shave my legs, and who knows, right? (laughs) So there we are next day, and he is really freaked out about this. He has no idea what's going on. And neither do I. And Servant Day is very innocent. I'm like, do you want me to make you pancakes this morning, master? And he's like, yeah, all right. He's like, you know, crazy. Like, what is, like, what the heck's going on? Servant Day is innocent. I make him pancakes. He's like, we don't really have to do this. This is crazy. But somehow the next day we start hooking up. And the day after that, he's moved from the couch into my bedroom. And there he is. (laughs) I am living with this guy. I am having sex with this guy every night. And um, we have a bit of an issue with the other roommates, a little drama. And uh, that summer, we move out and we move into an apartment in downtown. A nice apartment. And summer sublets are very, very... um, easy very cheap we get we have a great place we have no stuff right so the two of you go from like he's on a couch to you is sharing your bed to then like you two move into your own apartment together right so i am living with this guy i'm 24 <laughs> like a, years what, old a two month period three month period oh yeah like for that. a two month period and as this is going on i am just sort of in another life of than my own it's so different from my own he introduces me to his friends. We go to their cribs to hang out. I'm drinking Molson Lights in the bar at night. <laughs> and um, and I'm, I'm still working and I'm, I'm still teaching two classes in the summer. And plus, you know, taking classes. And I'm, uh, I, I exercise a little bit. And I don't know what he's doing all day. He's just sitting on the couch. He, he does work. What he does, finds a job, works for one day. He's a... Um, works in the garden center he hitchhikes to get there because he doesn't have a car and uh, he hurts his back the first day and that's it he stops works so he's worked for one day and so he doesn't work and he's just hanging uh you know one time we're in the supermarket and we're in the checkout and he takes a can opener and he stuffs it in his pants and i'm like what are you doing like do we if we need a can opener i will pay for it so i just throw it on the conveyor belt and i pay for it 
And it, that's like a little jolt. It's like, that is really weird. Like, why does this guy have to steal something when somebody else is like just pulling full freight, right? So that's what goes on. And then toward the end of the summer, it's very nice, but in, in the back of my mind, like deep down, I'm like, what is the end game here? What's going to happen? Like the, the thought of my comprehensive English exam is getting further and further away. I like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I have no idea what my thesis will be. Um, school is okay as it is, but I don't have sort of direction. I'm yeah. just hanging. And it's nice. I mean, we experience, I experience the middle of Pennsylvania. And one day we're going swimming in a quarry. We have beers and we're swimming with friends. And it's like just such a different, different, different world. So toward the end of the summer, I decide, let's go. Um, uh, I'm going to go back to Long Island to visit my parents. And why don't I take him along? So I take Dan with me and we drive to Long Island. And uh, as soon as I see him sort of walking up the front walk toward my parents' house, I realize that this is the biggest mistake I have ever made in my life. So my mom opens the door and it's very clear that this guy is neither Jewish nor a doctor. And <laughs> Ivy's done it again. But I've really done it. Now, they don't know anything. They, yeah, they don't know parents, the, the story about him. No. They, my parents it's... have gone to their grave not knowing that he was a prisoner. Okay, so they go. We go in. Uh, we go in, and my dad's like, ah, so what do you do with yourself? My dad always asks everybody what they do. That's how he <laughs> defines people by their yeah. profession. And yeah. uh, he's honest. He says nothing. And then my dad's like, ah, you play chess? Because my dad always... Um, challenges all my boyfriends to a game of chess <laughs> that's sort of the thing feels on brand for your family you're the scrabble it, person yeah 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 and it's so ironic because i hate games except scrabble i'm okay and boggle i was good at but okay. but you know my family they were always playing games whatever so um so he plays uh he plays chess he's he holds on respectably but my dad wins and then we stay for a few days and then i leave but my parents are like looking at each other and looking at me, and they can't say anything because I'm an independent 24-year-old. I've, I've always been sort of independent and leave me alone to my parents. But I could, I, you know, like, I couldn't tell because I was in some sort of a crazy trance. But in retrospect, thinking about it, I'm thinking they were, like, freaked out. So we get back, and by now it's, like, August. And my dad calls me up. And he says, you know, if you want to take a break, you can come home. Your brother and I will pick you up. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, yes, I want to take a break. Please pick me up. So I go and I go file a leave of absence for graduate school. And I tell them, look, I want to take a, a little bit of time off. I want to get some real world experience so that I can sort of craft where I want to focus. I'm thinking of switching to the writing program instead of the literature program. And it makes sense to them. And, um, you know, I tell Dan, our sublet is up. And he's like, sure. And, I, and he's like very zen about it. Not that he won't miss me, but that he just sort of doesn't expect me to 
to screw up my life for him. He's just like, okay, this has been lovely, but it's, you know, you're moving on. You're, you're good. You're going to reset and that's fine. So, so there is, there is this little bit of like, this is the end of it. It's not like a, like we, it's just sort of like, Hey, this is a fun thing. I'm going back home. This doesn't make sense yeah, to keep doing yeah. this. That's like kind of where you land with that. Yeah. I don't even remember having anything. There's no drama. There's yeah. no tears. <laughs> There's no, I love you. It's just, we have a good, we're just having a nice little relationship. Right. We, so, and it's fine. So my, my breath, my father and my brother come with a truck, you know, to take me home. And, uh, I go home and I'm back into my childhood bedroom not my childhood bedroom, because uh, you know, but a, a guest room, this tiny little guest room. I'm staying. Yeah, you're back with, living with your parents. Living with my parents yeah. on this foam couch, and I smoke like three packs of cigarettes a day. And I have this big pottery ashtray. It's the size of a pizza pan, <laughs> and it just gets filled up by the end of the day. And I'm in that little room smoking. I get a shitty job. I'm a receptionist at this tiny little windowless office on East 40th, it is a publishing thing. So I can kind of spin it to say, oh, I'm an editorial assistant. It's not even the editorial department. It's the advertising department. And they let me write some of their 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 advertising letters for them. So I'm like, oh, I'm writing, right? It's the te- most terrible job. So I'm commuting to the city and it's the fall. And my best friend from childhood, um, she is marrying a wealthy Jewish guy whose parents are from the garment center. She has a, she's, it's like the, the era when of princess Diana and she had the princess Diana haircut and the princess Diana gown. And she's having this fabulous wedding. And I am, I'm not seeing anybody and I'm, I have this miserable job and like, that's what my fall is like. So what happens is uh, the, uh, Dan calls me up in October and says, you know what? I'd like to come see you. Let's spend a day together. So I, it, we're going to meet in the city. So I meet in the city and we stay at the Collingwood Hotel, which is not a thing now, but they, they had advertisements, the Collingwood and the Seville Hotel. It's like a one-star hotel on 35th Street, Bedbug City, um, <laughs> in the Garmin Center. And um, I meet him and we stay overnight there and he's like, he's paying. He goes, I'm going to treat you. You, you took care of me so much. I'm just treating you for everything. Don't ask where the money's from. I'm just treating <laughs> oh, you. God. Yeah. The next day we wake up, we're, we're uh, strolling on sixth Avenue, I guess it is. And we have a breakfast of burgers and beer and it's just very nice. And then I walk him to the port authority and he takes the bus back to central Pennsylvania. And then I go home. Wow. So it's just like truly just this like one day. Right. Like, it's just a one night. It's not so much like visit. romantic yeah. or you're not like feeling like, mm-hmm. oh, this it's it's so funny how the that in, the entirety of this kind of dynamic with you and Dan is like it works for what it is. And there's no more like there's nothing deeper to it, but it's like on the level that it works. It works so well. And then the second like anything more is there. It's like, well, that's it. Like it's right. It's in kind of right. incredible how it just like. And it and it, how it bookended these like two experiences of you kind of being alone, not knowing what you're doing, 
and you're in between that, like you have this experience with Dan and then on either side, you're still like in this place of not knowing what you're doing and kind of not enjoying your life. Awful, awful. And the fact that he even treated me like I had such bad luck with guys, like guys never treated me. I always paid and we went Dutch treat. I just, I just never had that. I was just never that, that chick that yeah, guys. Yeah, you're finding like treated. the right matches. <laughs> Not that, you know, I'm a liberated woman and all, but uh, so, yeah. So, uh, so then I have one night, I have like this dream. I have this nightmare. It's like, I have a dream that, that Dan is back in prison. And the next morning, Brian calls up and he says, look, Ivy, I don't know what happened. I don't know what it is, but I just thought you should know that Dan is back in prison. He got picked up again for armed robbery. Oh, my God. So I must have had that little booty call and burgers and beer with stolen money. But um, he was back in the pokey. I'm like, oh, God, that is so weird. And I felt so creeped by it. So creeped. Then it's the holidays and I'm alone and I'm alone and I'm alone. Same story, same story. So on um, New Year's Eve, my friend who had just gotten married and got pregnant on her honeymoon, on her beautiful cruise honeymoon, just uh, invites me with this other friend and her new honey husband to this uh, romantic Pocono cabin in the woods, this wooden cabin in the Poconos for New Year's Eve. Just the five of us. Okay. We're going to spend New Year's, two couples and me turning 25, right? Just in the, in the middle of nowhere in this romance with, with a fireplace and all this nonsense. Yeah. And it's like these, at least this one friend who has her life together and is kind of like the version that I'm sure your parents are like, why can't you be my, more like her kind of thing, right? There's yeah, this like, yeah, 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 yeah. Na- married a Jew. My other friend married a Jew. <laughs> yeah, you know, I know, you know. So, uh, you know, the the beautiful wedding, the da 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 da. So, um, uh, so I decide, like an idiot, I'm gonna go, and then uh, I make a New Year's resolution with my best friend's husband. He smokes, I smoke, I'm going to quit smoking because my life isn't screwed up enough. My only love, the only love <laughs> I have left is cigarettes. And I'm going to, I smoke three packs a day. I'm going to freaking quit smoking. So uh, the clock strikes midnight, right? And the two couples embrace passionately <laughs> and I'm embracing my cigarette. Your and I'm last like, cigarette. Right, 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 right. Like I'm making love to this smoky thing, right? And then I'm like, extinguishing the joy and he and we make a pact and we both quit smoking and then so it's january 1st and i wake up and i am like in a total zombie zone you can't do anything if you if you are a smoker and you quit smoking like you can't like the first thing is that my my flannel shirt smells like smoke and i want to eat my shirt (laughs) and you can't like you can't go to the bathroom and you can't sit and have a cup of coffee. And I realize I can't drive and I can't wait for the train and I can't. And then everybody in my little windowless office smokes. So I've quit smoking and I've gone back to my life. And the thing is, because I'm single and I can't be fat and I'm really like four pounds over being smoking hot, 
I decide I'm also going to cut out sugar and starch because I'm going to also lose weight while I quit smoking. <laughs> yeah, so you're just anything that was like bringing you any kind of joy to your body, you've just right, cut, right, you've just right. fully cut off. So I start to chew sugar-free gum and I end up uh, chewing 10 packs of sugar-free gum a day. <laughs> now, if you're ever addicted to artificial sweetener, so artificial sweetener, sugar-free gum has a laxative effect. So that's a problem, <laughs> particularly for me, because we have, I come from a family of bowel activity deniers. Like we're very uptight about any <laughs> bowel activity. Like we have to go to the remote corner of the house to take a dump and we never fart in front of people. And we're all uptight about bowel activity. Now, in the meantime, if you have sugar-free gum, you, by the end of the day, my stomach would be so distended. And then I would have like, I, like, the office bathroom was in the hallway with a key, you know, these old offices. <laughs> yeah. So I would be like a mess and then I would just like let it out. But I was I was at my yeah, goal you were weight. getting through everything. You were yeah. you were not indulging in any of these things that you right. were cutting out of your life. Your right. body was just kind of like right. falling apart a little bit. Right. And forget about any kind of intellectual or future goal of making anything about myself. I was just trying to get through the day and not have anybody realize how insane and depressed I was. <laughs> yeah. So my friends decide to set me up with, with Steve. Steve is employed. He's Jewish. He has his own apartment. I mean, you know, he's sort of okay to look at. He's not awful. So like, whatever. <laughs> I'll let me. I'll I'll start. I'll check out this guy Steve. So he takes me out. He takes me to a bar. And uh, we don't order alcoholic drinks, but we order soup. He goes, you know, I love soup for dinner. So he treats, but he treats me to soup. And it's that's real, fine. It feels like a real like George Costanza kind of uh, situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really? So it so it turns out, so Steve is actually a recovering alcoholic, which that makes sense why he's not drinking. It doesn't make sense why he has to have soup in a <laughs> Only bar. soup, yeah. And in a bar, but, oh, yeah, but that's, maybe that's, that's yeah. what they maybe. And he's a compulsive smoker, and he also <laughs> eats a lot of sugar, which a lot of you know recovering yeah. alcoholics they do. So, um, so we go out, and this is what we do. And then back then, you used to smoke in bars. So you know, so we would he would take me out on Friday nights, and then occasionally on Saturday afternoons, he'd come to my parents' house, and I'd make him tuna fish sandwiches because he loved my tuna fish sandwiches. <laughs> I don't know what that was about. But um, we would take the uh, Long Island Railroad to the city. He worked in the city and I would sit in the smoking car with him. The smoking car was like this disgusting little haze of smoke, like you were in an ashtray. They used to have the smoking car and it was and I wasn't smoking and he would like eat his sugary donut and he would smoke and we would talk and whatever. So that was my life. And then it there maybe went on for like two or three months. And then one night he takes me to the bar for our soup and we order our non-alcoholic drinks. And before <laughs> I even get to order my soup, because look, I've, I have a confession to make. Um, I've actually been seeing someone else. Now, I really like you. And I really like her. Her name is Tiffany. And by the way, she's a stripper. So, you know, her body is amazing, right? I mean, he goes, I like you. I like Tiffany. 
but I really wanted to start seeing Tiffany exclusively. That must have been his Saturday night gig, right? Yeah. And I'm like, what the? F-? I was like, what the fuck? You know, it's like so. I, I was so <laughs> like disgusted. It's like, like fuck you and the horse you rode in on. You know, I'm out of here. So I gave up. I you know, like I stopped seeing him. I somehow I stopped having sugar-free gum. I quit that job. I took like three or four waitress jobs to make a lot of money. And I got the hell back to graduate school. I don't know how I did it. They were surprised. They never thought, you know, when you say you're taking leave of absence, they don't think you're actually going to go <laughs> <Coming> back. back. <laughs> I got back to graduate school. I switched to um, from uh, literature to nonfiction writing and editing. And um, so that so I got, uh, you know, and I and I didn't. Um, I wish I could say I never started smoking again, but then 20 months later, that's a, that's a story for another time <laughs> and another romance story. But yeah. yeah, but that was my story about um, my toxic boyfriends and what I was doing when I turned 25. Yeah, that's I mean, it's funny because it's not like I don't think it's an un, you know, obviously the circumstances are very unique of like, yeah, dating somebody who's in prison and then ended up back in prison and then like dating this guy who left you for a stripper, like two not great dating stories. Right. But I think the the part that I really, uh, you know, connect with is just like that. That's the period in your life where you just like you don't know what's going you're doing and what you're supposed to be doing and like just how everything's not great. And I think for me, I think when I was that age, I put a lot of stress on it needing to be great. Like I was like, I need to be doing more and this and that. And I feel like I ended up being a lot more disappointed with things because I was putting so much stress on the need for things to be what they were, especially in my love life then. But like, it was funny how you were just kind of like, this is, this is shitty, but I'm like, fine. I, I, it felt like you had found a way to kind of like, almost like turn off everything and just be like, I am just existing through the world. And maybe this is also you looking at it, you know, X years later and, and looking back on it. But yeah, I just I was in a total fog. And was that conversation with Steve and like, did that was that kind of the breaking of this fog? Like, did you feel like something snap in that moment of like, what am I doing with my life? That was like a big turning point. That was like a big like you are breaking up with me <laughs> yeah like okay. what and so the, the thing is i was living under my parents roof and i didn't want them to realize how depressed i was right okay. i didn't want them to worry i felt bad for them that their middle child was such a fuck up you know and i was yeah. already almost turning 26 by this point and i'm still like screwing around like i felt like i was so old to be really so unsettled you know, yeah. they had seen me have so many disappointments and I just felt so bad about it, you know, yeah. so I didn't want them to know how, how bad it really was, you know. Well, yeah, that's wow. That's I'm what a like. So it's kind of this two year period of just kind of, yeah, this this fog, this fog you lived through and you got out of. Yeah. Yeah. And now, yeah, now you are where you are today, which I feel like, you you know, I know you're you're married and and you got a lot going on and I'm I feel like you you got you got to a place that I feel like you you're end up fairly happy with today yeah I mean I think that was really a turning point I, yeah. I sort of got my head screwed on straight I really liked the the program I was in I got the degree I got 
I like got a professional gig related to the degree that I loved and I still do pretty much the same thing 40 years later. It was like, I really turned it around. Yeah. yeah like something, a flip, a switch flipped and you're like, great, yes. this is, let me start like track, putting some kind of track down to, uh, to follow that will, you know, give, bring me some right. kind of happiness. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 That's great. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all that Ivy. Thank you for listening. Yeah, if people want to find out more about you or what you got going on, is there do you have like a, a website or a social media they can follow you on? Yes, so my website is ivyeisenberg.com. I have all my upcoming shows. I have a couple in January and a couple in February so far. Yes, and you also host a show. Yes. Too. I host Story Boom which is in White Plains, and it's uh, about every other month. Our next one coming up is February 5th, and it's, uh, again, we always do it in White Plains. It's a, great, it's a great storytelling show. We have four featured storytellers, and we have open mic opportunities, and that's coming up February 5th. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for sharing. Thank you. Thank you. This is how we love, this is how we fight for something that's right. Love Hurts is produced, hosted, and edited by Brian Berlin. Theme music by Mickey Hommel. Show art by Caroline Mallon. You can find Love Hurts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, Rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about it. You can find Love Hurts on Twitter and Instagram at Love Hurts Pod, and our website is lovehurtspod.com. I'm Brian Berlin, and this is Love Hurts. <laughs> <laughs>